Pastor Q is going to come up and introduce, I mean, he probably doesn't need an introduction, but PQ wants to introduce his son-in-law, so PQ. That was not true. Uh, probably, probably most of you may know, but uh, Michael has been in YWAM since high school. Water High School been in YWAM for 15 years, since 2005, and has been mission. He's in Taiwan, is in Kona, many places. He's been really going, uh, obeying God right out of high school and hearing the voice of God, went after God. You know, and uh, I mean, he did an amazing thing by marrying my daughter. Yes, <laughs> the greatest gift he has ever received. <laughs> Other than the three grand, grandkids I have through them. Anyway, um, it's really great to see uh, not only Michael, is Michael and Anna are uh, uh, one, of, two, one of the missionary couples you are supporting in our church. And we've been doing that for the last number of years. And Michael is really coming back, coming really back out of um, global initiatives uh, in Myanmar. And so he is here just to make a report. As he was coming to share a report, I thought it was right for us to hear what God is doing, not only in the nation, but what God is saying to us. I think it is really very for me, a very uh, appointed time that he's here this Sunday, right before the revival is happening, for him to come and give a report as well as a message. Okay, Michael is here. Okay. Close. Yes. Good afternoon, guys. Um, so... I'm Mike. Most of you guys know me. Um, I'm excited to be here. I'm really glad that I get to um, to share. I am in the middle of a, a pretty busy, extended um, uh, extended season of uh, travel and other things like that. Uh, so. I, when I do, when I get tired and I miss my family, I start to lose control of my emotions a little bit. So bear with me. Um, I, I got back from uh, Myanmar. I was just there. Uh, I mean, I'm going to report on a time we were there from May when we ran a campaign, but I just came back a week and a half ago uh, because as things have continued to move forward and we're trying to develop a national plan of transformation, the body of Christ internationally is joining in on a level I've never seen before. And so I just got back um, actually because, uh, because uh, Francis Chan has expressed great interest in kind of what we're doing and how we want to do it. And um, so, but he's never been there, and so he said, if you want to get involved and help with sort of the church planning side of this, then you should probably go. So we went with him a week and a half ago, met with about 100 leaders, national Christian leaders, as well as some politicians and others who are um, desiring to see transformation. I actually was on my knees with the Minister of Constitutional Amendments uh, a week and a half ago. He's a devout believer um, they just put in a, a bill, which literally right now in the, these four or five days before and we're in the middle of it, um, to uh, see a, an amendment happen to their constitution that would free them from um, the possibility of military dictatorship coming back 
um, to take over. Um, we got on our knees in this guy's living room, and um, the lady that brought us in, the Burmese lady that brought us in, said, you can pray in tongues. <laughs> I said, okay. Because the day before, they had turned in their, um, their constitutional amendment um, to be uh, presented to their house um, of representatives in order to see uh, an amendment potentially happen. So we'll see what happens with that in the, the weeks to come. But um, I, I was thinking how this is such a privilege for me to be here because one of the primary things um, up asked, or Pastor Q asked me just a couple days ago, um, hey, do you want to preach also? And I went, sure. <laughs> um, but originally, I, I, my intent was to come and to report on what God did in May and even more importantly than that, to say thank you. And um, I am very keenly aware, as having thought about it and being in prayer about it over the last little while, just how much this house has given me. Um, and I am grateful. <laughs> I think probably, well, without comparison, the greatest thing is my wife and then consequentially my family. <laughs> um, they're, they're just amazing. Uh, I miss them. Um, I got back from Myanmar. We had three, I had three days at home where I was hosting a, a pastor um, from Redding, California, who came out for those three days. He actually arrived before I did. Um, and then uh, he left on the 18th, and uh, we, uh, Anna and I went out for our anniversary that I had missed because I was in Myanmar on the 19th and then I left on the 20th. Um, so I just came from the mountains of Montana. I was teaching in a DTS uh, and then I came directly from there to here yesterday. And so I'm, I'm stoked to be with you guys. I'm stoked to go home in a couple of days, but not before I get to at least go to the first revival meeting on Tuesday night. So I extended my trip so that I could leave, um, so I could go to that and I'll, I'll go back home on Wednesday morning. Um, and um, I think before I jump into my message, I, I have a slide presentation for you guys, but I just want to say, like, from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Um, I think Hope Church has been more than I ever thought it would be um, to, to me personally. Uh, not only do I genuinely have um, the best gift that I've been given in this life, um, came out of being raised up in this church body, Anna, um, but also my three kids. Um, I've been given a community and new friendships. Um, I have a new set of parents, <laughs> which has really been amazing because um, my own parents don't really understand necessarily what I do. And so um, it's been big. And... Um, you guys have supported us for years, faithfully. And uh, so we're, I'm like genuinely, I'm, I'm really, really grateful. And um, yeah, so thank you. <laughs> um, I, does this gonna work for my slideshow? What do I do? There's like three buttons and none of them make sense. Oh, it's already up here, just over. Oh, you can do it for me. Okay, so um, in May, uh, I, I don't know if you guys know this, but um, <clears throat> we ran a mass evangelistic campaign in Myanmar, or Burma. This is two names for the same nation. Um, and 
Hope Church gave over $15,000 to see this campaign run. These numbers are a conservative estimate of just our five days on the ground in Myanmar. We flew into Yangon, which is their primary city in the nation. Then we flew from Yangon to a littler city called Kalemio. And then we got in chartered vans and we went seven hours up the mountain to a place called Tanzang. And, um, and we ran, we had a, a stage built. We hired Christian worship leaders and uh, uh, um, artists from Myanmar to come perform, and then we um, presented a, uh, the gospel. We uh, invited people, if they wanted to give their lives to Jesus, to do so. Uh, we prayed for the sick, and we gave out Bibles, and in five days, over 10,000 people showed up to these um, evangelistic campaigns. Uh, salvation decisions, we counted 561. That would be a conservative guess. It was well over 100 healings. It became hard to um, count them <laughs> uh, after a while. Um, we brought in 25,626 partial or whole Bibles. 10,000 of them were on SD cards, um, which people put into their phone. The rest of them were either New Testaments, Gospels of Mark, or whole Bibles. We brought them in in three different languages, the languages that they speak in that region of the nation. Um, We trained over 250, it's probably closer to 300 Christian leaders, whether those are pastors or lay leaders, youth workers, um, for three days from nine in the morning till three in the afternoon, uh, we trained them. And then we had teams there that prayed 44 hours of intercession time during our time at, um, while we were there, um, And 48 ministries partnered in unity together, both locally in Myanmar and internationally, to see this campaign happen. Um, I wanted to give you guys just a couple of quick testimonies. This picture here is, um, this is the open air of people that just came in to hear what we were doing. They heard the music. They just came in from their villages, different ones heard about it from villages away and came, there was one pastor who came to be trained. He came 17 hours on a motorbike to come, to come be trained. Um, this is the smallest of the nights I was preaching and it rained. Um, and so it was the, the least amount of people came on this night. There was roughly, um, the best we could count was around 2,500, 24 to 2,500 people showed up, um, to hear the gospel. Um, This is part of the pastor's training. This guy in the middle here is the one who came 17 hours on a motorbike. He's a pastor in a small village, 17 hours away. Um, We uh, have kind of a, we brought in teaching. And for those of you who don't know the history of Myanmar, it's been under military dictatorship, much like it's a communist regime that was controlling the nation for 49 years. It was almost exactly uh, the year, like the Jubilee year, almost exactly um, when the nation opened up. That was in 2011. In 2010, a SIM card for your cell phone cost 2,000 US dollars because the, the military was controlling all forms of communication. Today, it's less than a dollar. So the amount of development that's happened in the last eight years is 
absolutely astounding. We came in and brought teaching on servant-hearted leadership. We said, hey, we know that for the last whole generation that, that authority and leadership has ruled over you and been controlling and manipulating. We want to come tell you about Jesus's form of leadership, which is a servant-hearted leadership. He comes to serve and to lift you up. And we washed all of their feet. And they, it was one of the most powerful foot washing times I've ever had in my life. They would come up and we'd wash their feet. They'd just cry. They just cry and cry and cry. And they came to us and told us, you know, we really believe that um, you guys are washing the wounds of our nation. Um, this guy in the middle, um, forgive me, I don't remember his name, but he is a Burmese guy. There's a, over 100, there's 136 tribes in Myanmar. The largest of them is the Burmese tribe, which is why the nation's also called Burma. Um, he was our sound guy. And uh, so he brought 100,000 US dollars worth of sound equipment, instruments, lighting, stage stuff, seven hours up the mountain in a big flatbed truck. He's not a believer, he's a Buddhist. He came up the mountain, we ran our campaigns from the 2nd of May to the 5th of May. Um, every night. Uh, well, every day was training the leaders. Every night was an evangelistic campaign. Every night when we got done teaching the leaders, the clouds rolled in so thick, you could literally see them, maybe literally from here to the wall. I'm, I'm not kidding. It would roll in so dark you couldn't see past them. Their monsoon season starts May 6th. So we were really hoping they were accurate when we ran our campaigns from the 2nd to the 5th. Well, the second night we were there, the night I was preaching, the clouds come rolling in. It's been pouring rain for two hours. The sound guy comes to us and he says, it's going to rain. I have to shut it down. You can't use the sound equipment. It's an outdoor open event. And, um, and our contact, his name is Doe, um, he went to this guy and he said, no, it's not going to rain. And, and the guy looked at him, he says, you're from Myanmar. We both know it's going to rain. As they watch this thing come rolling up the mountain. And Doe looked at him and he said, we're going to pray and our God is going to move the rain. That's what he said. And the guy says, that's not going to work. And Doe says, yes, it will. And, he's, and the, this guy says, I bet you that it won't work. And Doe says, what do you want to bet? And he goes, how about 100,000 US dollars? That's what my sound equipment's worth. Well, Doe is a Y-whammer. So he said, look, if I'm wrong, I couldn't pay you that. And let's be honest, if I'm right, you probably wouldn't pay me. So how about this? If I'm wrong, then maybe my God isn't real. But if the rain moves, then you'll know that Jesus is really God. <laughs> That's what he said to him. We got our DTS teams to go into the back room and stop, start praying. I've never seen anything like this. I watched the clouds part in front of me and go around us up the mountain. Twice more, three times more over the next three nights, it would start to rain. Our teams would get up from the event, walk over behind a deal, start praying. You could hear them and the rain would leave in less than 60 seconds. I've never seen anything like it. On the fourth night, this is, it's over. They're taking everything down. That's the stage behind us that they're taking down. This man comes up to Doe and to us and he says to him, he says, the last three nights were absolutely miraculous. He says, I've never seen anything like what happened to the weather. I would like to meet your Jesus. And we led him to the Lord. <laughs> so awesome. Um, this is a man... Um, 
uh, who had severe pain in his stomach from having parasites and different issues. He had three different surgeries, um, and there was four different locations of his intestines that were um, just in severe pain. We arrived our first night, and we went to the church that we were hosting this whole thing in the front of. It's the night before the event started. We go into the church and we start worshiping with the locals. This guy is in his house up the hill. And when we turned on all the music, it's nighttime, it just travels up the whole, the whole village can hear everything. He said to us, the next day we're doing door-to-door evangelism during the day with some of our teammates. And um, they go and they knock on this guy's door, just a random door. The man opens the door and uh, they begin to ask him if he wants a Bible and tell him, and he says to them, are you the ones last night that came here and started singing? And they said, yes, last night we came to the church and we started singing. He said, last night when you started singing, I got healed. He said, I haven't gone through a night without pain in months and months and months. He goes, last night you started singing, my pain went away in one of these four locations that he has severe pain. So they went inside, they gave him a Bible, and they said, now the other three spots are going to go away too. They, he showed them, I have another photo, I didn't put it in here. He showed them the scars from the surgeries that he has. They prayed for him and he said, I'm happy with the one spot going away, but I just don't have faith to see it all go away. They said, that's okay, you don't need faith, we have enough. <laughs> They prayed for him and the man was completely healed. Turns out he was, he was an evangelist in the 70s when there was a great revival in this area. You can read, a, there's a Bible that's called the Revival Bible. It tracks all these little things. He's literally written about in this Bible, in the Revival Bible in the town of Tanzong. And, and he was one of the evangelists that did this. And after he got sick, he walked away from his faith. Needless to say, he came back. <laughs> This is, what, um, this is what convinced me that we're watching a uh, real move of God in the nation. I've never seen anything like what the kids would do. Um, we would do an altar call, and the kids would come up. I think this girl's 11. Um, they would come up to the front, and they would just weep. You could, f- you could like, feel the hope that was on them, like, there's hope for our nation. There's hope for our future. I've never seen anything like it. Five, six, seven, eight-year-old kids would be up at the front for hours just crying under the power of God. I remember sitting there feeling like I was missing out. Like I was like, it's just too easy. <laughs> we literally, I was pulling, I'm not joking with you because it had been raining, remember? And so the dirt just turned to mud. And then we would pray for them and they would just, they just fall out in these mass-like piles on top of each other. So I'm literally pulling kids off of each other. I'm not kidding. I was pulling kids off of each other because I thought they're gonna hurt each other. I remember this one kid was laying and someone fell on top of it. His face was getting pressed into the mud and it's like he didn't even care. He's just laying on the ground crying. I've never seen anything like it. And um, we're, we're seeing a, a, a sovereign move of God that is really touching the nation. And um, the cool part is that it's your fruit. Um, I know that some of you gave sacrificially so that we could do it. And I flew here from Montana instead of going home to say thank you. Um, I believe that we are standing in a time 
that truly is unlike any other time in church history since Pentecost. I believe we're standing on the edge and have actually stepped into the greatest harvest the world has ever seen. And it is not just Myanmar. It's all over the world. It's all over the world. And you guys made this part really possible by sacrificially giving. And I wanted to say thank you. And I also wanted to tell you this. I wanted to put this together and bring it to you guys because um, I believe that it is my desire that when I die, when we cross from this, this fragile line from this life into eternity, I want something of value to bring to Jesus. <laughs> Are you with me? Like, that's what I want. <laughs> I, I want, like, for my crown to not be a, McDon- a Burger King paper crown. I want it to be, like, valuable so I can throw it at his feet. <laughs> and I think that probably the most valuable thing that we'll be able to bring is people the people that we influenced, the people that we pointed toward the kingdom of Jesus. And and I mean this genuinely. I believe when you stand before God that you're going to be able to go, hey, I wasn't there. I don't know all the details, but I can bring this peace before Jesus because you guys gave sacrificially to see it happen. Thank you. You really are part of a much bigger collaboration of what Jesus is doing to transform a nation. I have, I have never in my 15 years in missions um, seen um, what, I, what I'm seeing here. Both, both on the level of God moving and actually in the level of spiritual warfare. And so, once again... Thank you. Um, I felt like I was, I threw this up here last minute. My, that's me, and that's my phone number. And um, if you guys would want, if any of you in here want to be on our, uh, on my update list, on my prayer team, or um, even to uh, ask us about what we're doing next, how this is working, what we need, um, I want you to, you can just throw my number in there. You can text me. And I'll get in touch with you. Just send your name and a text like, hey, I was at Hope and I'd love to hear more or be involved in, in some other way. So um, I'll leave this up here for a couple of minutes and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump to um, my message or to my slides that, that have my message on them. Um, but I, I, did, I did want you guys to know this before I get in, into the message. Um, we're still in need of you guys. <laughs> I, told, I told Pastor Q, I said, I, f- I was literally blown away by the first installment of what you guys did by giving over $15,000. And I said, next, I want more. I want you guys. <laughs> I want you guys. And I'm dead serious. I think you guys should consider putting together a little strike team and coming in January when we are going to run a... A, a all-day prayer meeting in the major city of Yangon with two to three hundred foreign missionaries and ministers. Francis Chan is going to come. We're going to get. Um, we're going to try and get Lou Engle to come because we're going to do a call day. 
<laughs> Why not? We'll ask him. Um, a ton of different ministries, literally hundreds of ministries from uh, internationally as well as um, we're looking at two to 3,000 local believers to spend 12 hours in prayer and fasting for the transformation of their nation. This will be on January 11th. And then after that, we'll divide up into five teams, two to 300 missionaries, all converging in Yangon. We'll divide up into five teams and we'll go to five different cities and we'll run five different mass evangelistic campaigns and we'll see what I just showed you happen all over again <laughs> in five, five cities. We already have the city set up. We already have our coordinators happening. We're already building our teams. I'll be leading one of the cities and... Um, and if you guys want to come, I just want to extend an invitation. You can come. <laughs> yeah, Pastor Q will lead you out there, okay? <laughs> and I'll meet you there. <laughs> mm. Okay, so if you want to know more information, please text me. Um, and I'll be in touch with you. Um, okay. It's one o'clock. Great. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna jump into my message. Is that okay? Are you guys okay? A little bit of a transition, but really, it's it's tied into this actually to the same thing because I'll say it again: God is on the move. Amen. I'm convinced that we are living in one of the greatest times of kingdom advancement the church has ever seen. I am not about just hyped words. I really believe it. I actually do. I don't think that the church in over 2,000 years since the time of Pentecost has ever seen anything like what we're on the edge of, what we're stepping into. I believe we're going to see harvest of souls like we have never seen. If Jesus doesn't come back really soon, this time will be written about in history books as a time of global revival unlike anything we've seen in the church age. I, I really <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not just saying it. I'm not just trying to hype us up. Like, I really actually believe it. I believe that we're going to see what all the prophets of the last 50, 100 years have been saying, this billion soul harvest. It's coming. And it's going to look like We've only seen little tastes of it in things like the Welsh Revival where this guy, Oral Roberts, went into a room because he was convinced God wanted to move in Wales. So what did he do? He prayed all night long. And then one morning, shortly afterwards, he didn't have a service. He didn't set up an event. He just got up one morning after praying all night and there was conviction on the whole city. They literally came out. They didn't know what to do. People were walking in the streets in tears under conviction of their sin. They had to close down their national sports events because nobody wanted to go. In fact, the athletes didn't want to pray, a play because they wanted to go be a part of the meetings where God was moving. It's the Welsh revival that sparked the Azusa Street revival, which saw great transformation across our nation. Started by one of the most unlikely of people in that time. William Seymour, just a legend in God, he was a discriminated against African-American who would put his, would, anywhere he went, 
the move of God was so powerful, people started to look at him. So he would go into church services and put a brown paper bag over his head. Say, you all distract me. I need to pray. That's just a taste of what's coming. It's not just the stories of the past. We're in the middle of it. We're in the middle of it right now. I believe that. And I wanted to remind us, I don't know if some of you were here, but I felt, I really felt the Lord put in my heart to remind us of this word I felt. I was asked on New Year's Eve to share here at Hope on, um, uh, to bring a word of the Lord about what the Lord is speaking to me for Hope for the year, for 2019. And um, so I have it here, and I'm just going to read it to you again. I believe this year, 2019, we're going to see a door beginning to open for the gospel like has never been seen in our lifetime. It will continue to open more and more through the first half of the 2020s, 20, up to 2025, I believe. And it will be accompanied by historic world events, really exciting things and probably some scary things, but they will shape the course of this century. I believe our children and their children will look at the last quarter of the first quarter of this century. What I mean is first quarter of this century is 2000 to 2025, right? The last quarter of it would be like six years, right? So 2019 to 2025, the last quarter of the first quarter of this century or the next six years. And it will be easy for them to see that these years set in action many of the unfolding events of the 21st century. And I believe this is the year that we're going to go from seeing light in the crack of the door to the door starting to truly open. So what do we do? This is what I, this is what I wrote down. I thought, wow, that's a pretty good word. <laughs> Be always prepared for his purposes through disciplined prayer, disciplined purity, and fighting to stay encouraged. Let me say that again. Be always prepared for his purposes through disciplined prayer, disciplined purity, and fighting to stay encouraged. The part I really felt to highlight today is this fighting to stay encouraged. And I'm going to throw it out here right now because I want to do a little prayer time, a little ministry time at the end. But um, I had this picture of like this ugly, dark pillar in someone or some people's lives and, um, and I felt like it was discouragement, it was depression, it was doubt. And I felt like I saw it, something that has been a perpetual thing that different ones have really wrestled with, and um, that you've brought it to the Lord before, and like taken a sledgehammer to it, you know? But you've walked away and gone, it didn't break, it didn't fall apart. Well, I saw it, and it was, cra- it was cracked everywhere. And I believe that God wants to smash that thing down, break it off at the base, so we're going we're gonna to get there, but let me finish with what I feel like I'm supposed to bring here. Um, I'm highlighting fighting to stay encouraged because it's actually a fight. And if we lose this fight, we are in danger of compromise, of living nominally or lukewarm. And we cannot have that. I wanted to, I actually wanted to play the first part of this song, and uh, I want you to listen to the words. I actually, um, is the next slideshow ready to go to? 
Maybe you could put that song in. The, the next slideshow is, um, oh, there it is. Nope, I'm going the wrong way. Sorry. Great. I just wanted you guys to know what the words are, are saying here. You can go ahead and play that, Keith. Just going to listen to about two minutes of it. I want you to listen to the words. You can start it from the beginning. Throw it up on the speakers if it's okay. Should I just keep going? If I should, that's cool. Well, here we go. Okay, can you start it from the beginning? He's the glory of the Lord. Listen to the words here. show you guys it says do you feel the world is broken and everybody's like yeah we do do you feel the shadows deepen we do <laughs> this part right here but do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through do you wish you could see it all renewed? Is all creation groaning? It is. Is a new creation coming? 
It is. Is the glory of the Lord to be the light within our midst? It is. And he says this, I love this. Is it good that we remind ourselves of this? It is, and it is not the power of positive thinking. It is you ingraining yourself with the truth over and over and over and over so that what the world is saying pales in comparison to what God is saying. It has to. Is there anyone worthy? Yes, there is one. The lion of Judah who conquered the grave, he's David's root, and the lamb who died to ransom the slave. There is one. <laughs> you know, I think, um, I think that honestly is a question it, that I have. It's so easy to see the world is broken. It's so easy to feel the darkness and the shadows deepen. But do you know that all the dark will not keep the light from getting through? Bob used to say it like this, and he's been a prophet to this house, and we know it's not dishonoring for us to say, you know, it hasn't always been perfect. He's not perfect, and that's fine, but God brought him here for a time to bring words that I think are very important for this house. He used to say this. I don't know if you guys remember this or if this is something he just said to Anna and I, but he said, if you let the plexities of life become your focus, you'll get discouraged and replace your faith with doubt. So many plexities in life. <laughs> but guys, if we keep our eyes focused on what God is doing, then we will fortify our faith. And it is faith that pleases God. I'm not just talking about faith that's good enough to keep us going in the midst of discouragement or challenge. I'm talking about like a, a level up kind of faith. <laughs> faith that enables us to walk out life with true joy, eyes alive with trust in the promises of God, even in the midst of our circumstances that seem to tell us the opposite of what God is saying. I mean, Jesus says it, he goes, when I come, will I find faith on the earth? He's talking about people praying. He was talking about people contending and not giving up. This house has contended for the, I loved the, the slide, the prayer for Rana. How long has she been in, in the hospital there? Eight plus years? 11 and a half. The prayer request remains the same. Complete healing and full restoration. Are there still those who are praying with faith in spite of the circumstances of what we see? God's promise is bigger. And I am convinced that his promises are as sure as the sun will rise tomorrow. Think about it. Abraham given a wild promise. Go, I'll show you a land that I'm going to give you as an inheritance for all the generations to come. I'll make you a great nation and on and on and on. The promise is extraordinary. 
Abraham waits 25 years to get his son. Then he dies, and that one son only the, is, is all he has. He is not a great nation. And the only piece of land that he actually owns is this cave of Machpelah, which is bought as a gravesite for himself. If Abraham lived today, we would say he was a failure. Either he didn't hear God or God didn't come through. Obviously, we know today that is not the case. But his ways are above our ways and his thoughts are above our thoughts. Moses, amazing man of God, he thinks he's going to deliver his people and ends up killing someone and then spends 40 years in the wilderness watching sheep. Then when he finally does go bring the people out of Egypt, it was always to take them to the promised land. But Moses never makes it. Still, Moses kept his eyes on the prize, on God himself. He said, God, if you aren't going to go with us, then I'm not going either. (laughs) And then Moses goes up the mountain at 120 years old to die. And it says this, his eyes were undimmed and his vigor unabated. He still was looking with these fiery eyes of, oh, God's promise is real And I hold to it more than to my circumstances, more than the things I don't understand. I hold to it. David, he's anointed king. It's 25 years before he takes the throne. Much of those 25 years he spent running for his life, hanging out with criminals and living in holes in the ground. Mary, an angel comes to her and says, Mary, you are highly favored by God. What does that mean? It means you're going to get pregnant outside of wedlock. Your husband-to-be is going to be right on the edge of dumping you. And oh yeah, in 33 years, you'll get to watch your firstborn son die a gruesome, torturous death. Congratulations. Can I tell you something? She was highly favored by God. (laughs) I believe, I, I literally do this, you guys. I have this park right down the street from my house. I take, it's like four, it's right at the end of my street. And, um, I take my kids there all the time, but sometimes at night, I will leave my house and I'll go down to the park and I'll get on one of the swings and I'll just start crying (laughs) because I'm like, I feel like I'm so blessed. Like I, 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 I genuinely don't understand why I, of all people, I was terrified to speak in front of people I, 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 I'm not that smart. <laughs> like, I don't study very well. I, I, like, I'm, I, my wife is so much better than me. I'm not just saying that. Like, she really is. And I, I'm like, 
But I go down there, I'm on the swings, and I'm like, I can't believe the life that I live. I can't believe I've traveled the world for the kingdom of God. I, I have the most amazing wife and kids. Like, I'm just, so, I live in Hawaii. <laughs> and you pay for it. Okay. <laughs> like, it's, I don't even, I just don't know what, to, I'm like, I literally, I get on the swing, I just cry. I'm like, I'm so blessed. But something I realized actually was this. I, when I started in missions, I believe I stepped into a wild and undeserved favor from God. But when I started, the first time I staffed, I was in the jungle of the South Pacific. And I gave my, what little money I had, all of my energy and time, and even a, a portion of, our, of my health, like all of us that were down there, because it was just, kind of gnarly. And at the end of our time there, we were kicked out of the country by the Christian leaders who told us, you get to leave or we will have your visas revoked, get out because of jealousy. I left there so discouraged, so disillusioned by the church. It was not an easy moment. Then I moved to Asia and I started preaching and teaching, which was a clear word of God to me. Someone told me in the South Pacific, in English, and she didn't speak English. I've told you guys that story before, I think, right? She's telling me all these things and I'm like, oh, what are you, like, I knew she didn't speak English. I was like, what is going on? And she, ah, I don't know I say, I, I don't know I say. I literally, and she told me I was going to travel. I was 19 years old. I had no dream of being a, speaker or a teacher or a preacher. I moved to Asia. I start stepping into that element. And um, one of the places I go at the beginning of my teaching career is to South Sudan. I, I've never been to a nation with, that has less. Been a lot of different African nations, never one like South Sudan. Um, and I was frustrated. I'd go to God frustrated because we're telling people stories about, from the Bible, from a few thousand years ago. We're like telling them stories, right? Teaching them the Bible. And they're starving, literally starving. And I remember thinking, this is so crazy. I'd be just frustrated with God. And I told God, I want to do more. Give us, put us into a scenario where we can really do something. Shortly after that, we ran into a 10-year-old girl who's taking care of her two-year-old brother because both their parents died of AIDS and the boy's so sick he's dying. So we find out he has malaria and AIDS. We take him to this little hospital, which is like nothing. They can't help him. So we literally test our team's blood and one of the girls had the same kind of blood. So she literally gives blood to save this two-year-old boy's life. And, uh, and then we literally bring him onto the YWAM base with his 10-year-old sister who's caring for him. And... Um, and then he died anyway. His name was Isaiah. And I remember leaving there thinking, like, this is really hard. I came back to Taiwan. I thought I was going to get some time to process with the Lord. And instead, I came down with cerebral malaria, <laughs> which I picked up in Africa. Apparently, I didn't know at the time, but it, I guess it's the most rare form of malaria that kills the most people. Um, and uh, I was in the hospital 
in and out of my mind for five days. I'm, I'm still convinced. I think it has messed up my memory even to this day. Everything gets mixed up. Maybe that's just me, but I, I feel like it was that. Um, and that, that was hard. <laughs> I, uh, I was, I lost about, I used about three years of liver function in a month. <laughs> so that was fun. <laughs> And uh, bottom line is this, things didn't go exactly the way that I had planned them. I never thought, guys, that I would be back in the West this early in my life. I thought I'd be overseas in the mission field. And, uh, you know, some of the questions like my wife and I are asking right now are, we feel pretty clearly the Lord's told us to step into the foster care system, so we've done everything, we'll be ready next month. Um, We're getting FBI background checks right now. I have to go home so that I can get my fingerprints done. Um, But, um, you know, the questions we're asking is, how do we walk out in doing things like this and simultaneously pay for my second child's preschool? Because I don't know how we're going to do that. (laughs) So that starts next month. So it's like, there's like, when I look at life, I'm like, man, there are these challenges, like real ones. But I'm, I, I, I wanted to paint that because I want to tell you this. And I say it from like the deepest, most honest place in my heart. I feel so blessed that I live the life that I live. I feel like, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't, I don't know, but I literally feel bad sometimes. Like I talk with my friends and I'm like, oh, like, yeah. <laughs> Super glad I do what I do and not what you do. <laughs> I know, maybe it's bad. I'm just being honest with you guys. It's honest hour with Mike, I guess. I just, I'm like, I'm so blessed. I literally go down to this park at nighttime. I do it, I've done it so many times. And I get on the swing and it's dark. And I'm just kind of sitting on the swing and I'm just, I'm like, I don't even know what to say. I just feel so blessed. Like, I have the best family. I, I have my, my, the opportunities that are before me to do these different things are like, I remember like eight years ago feeling like, man, Francis Chan has something for our generation. He's a prophetic voice, whether he knows it or not. He is a prophetic voice to this generation. And I was like, man, I would love to connect with him. And next thing you know, it's like these surreal moments when you're like joking with him in some hotel in random nation of Myanmar. And I'm like, how did this happen? I'm just blessed. But I began to realize when I looked, I went, Actually, we, I have a choice because if I were to just look at some of the hard things, it would feel very different. If I put my eyes, if I fix my eyes on the plexities of life, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> We will replace our faith with doubt. And we will be in danger of living lukewarm, of compromising, of finding ways to secure ourselves.
I think, you know, I, I actually do. I don't know why this is so highlighted to me, but I just felt like I was supposed to bring up that I think, you know, um, Bob Hartley has been in this house. He's been a prophetic voice. And I don't think it was for no reason. I don't think it was an accident. Um, I think there was great purpose for it. And I think part of it is one of his life messages. It's this idea of adoration that, you cannot, that we cannot forget who God is. It is not, hear me out, it is not the power of positive thinking. It's the truth, and you fortify yourself with the truth. He is good. He is for you and not against you. He has plans and purposes for your life. Now, not just in heaven. He's filled with hope for your future. It doesn't look bleak to him. What eyes are we seeing with? Well, I, let, let me just give you this last thing, then we're going to close up, okay? Is this okay? Are you guys okay? Matthew 3, I won't even open my Bible because we're going to do this fast. Matthew 3, 13 to 17, okay? Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to, to John the Baptist. Now, in John chapter 1, it records the same incidents. And in front of the whole crowd, when Jesus comes walking in, John says, look, he says, behold, it's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That is a wildly bold statement. In Matthew, this is what it says. He's Jordan to be baptized by John. Okay, verse 14, John would have... Uh, prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you, Jesus. And do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented, John consented. And when Jesus was baptized, look at this, immediately he went up from the water and behold, the heavens were open to him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said this, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Okay, does John know who Jesus is? Yes, he absolutely does. Before that even happens, he goes, look, it's the guy that's gonna take away the sins of the world. It's the Messiah, here he comes. But check this out, you go a little bit further. Matthew 11, now John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ. So he sent word by his disciples and said to him, are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? What? What happened to behold everyone? The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, heaven's ripped open, voice of God, this is my son. What happened to that? Do you know what I think happened? doesn't work on the TV. Where's John? In prison. What changed? His circumstances. They got hard. Prison would not have been fun back then. His circumstances changed. And when they changed, he started taking his eyes off of Jesus and out of faith and into doubt. And then it says this. 
It says, and Jesus answered them. These are John's disciples. Go tell John what you hear and see. I love this. He doesn't say, he doesn't say, he doesn't say, are you kidding me? Go tell John, duh. He's a God. Tell John, why don't you go back to the Jordan River and figure that out? Behold the Lamb of God. Now you're going to sit here and go, should I look for another? No, he doesn't do that. He says, hey, you guys, why don't you stay here and watch and listen? And when you're convinced, go tell John. It'll be so much easier for you to convince him when you're convinced. Go tell him what you see and what you hear. And it says this, the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, which means this. He's not just telling them that. He says, tell him what you hear and see. He shows them the miracles the signs and the wonders. The lame walk, lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up and the poor have the good news preached to them. Now what's amazing is this, in the Old Testament, there's over 300 prophetic deals about what Messiah would be and do and all this stuff. These are some of the major ones from the prophets. Messiah will give the blind back their sight, make the lames walk, the lepers walk, Uh, the lame walk, the leopards cleansed, the deaf will hear, the dead will be raised up, and the good news will be preached, right? Now, when they go back to tell John this, John's gonna, John knows the Old Testament, okay? He knows the law, trust me. So he's he's gonna be listening to his disciples like, yes, what's next? They're like, and the lepers are cleansed, yes. And the good news is preached. He's like, yes, these are all signs, of he is Messiah. But do you know there's one massive thing that it says about Messiah that it says specifically that he's gonna do? Do you know what it is? It says literally he will open the doors of the jails and set the captives free. Where's John? Jail. His question is not, are you really God? His question is this, where are you? Because I need you to be that, and I don't see it. Yes, I know who you are, but I know that who you are sets the captives free, and I'm a captive. Jesus says this, look at verse 6. He says to the disciples, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Oh, that's not what John wanted to hear. He wanted to hear, and I set the captives free. Because if he says that, John's going to get set free. You can bet. Instead, he says this, blessed are those who are not offended by me. Now, I began studying this scripture because I went, man, there's something deep in here. And this is the simple thing that I began to realize. I must keep my eyes fixed on what God is doing and not on what I don't see him doing. It's not that we ignore it or that we put it aside. We still contend for these things. But my eyes and my communication, the words that I speak will be that of faith. It will be that we are in, we have stepped in. We've just made our first steps into the billion soul harvest that nations are gonna run into the kingdom. That will be my communication. And the, 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 
the dwarves in the spirit, the naysayers, they can look and say all they want. Oh, you try to be holier than the rest of us or, oh, you just like to have hype or this or that. You know what? I don't care anymore. I'm gonna fortify my life with the truth. It is the truth. And I'm, I'm telling you guys this. If we don't keep our eyes fixed on what he is doing and on the truth of who he is, we are in danger of coming into offense, discouragement, disillusionment, doubt, depression. Those things want to take your courage. And we must fight to remain encouraged because it will require courage to do, be a part of, keep up with God and what he's doing in this significant time in history. Amen? Let's not look, let's not stay focused. It's not that we ignore it, but let's not stay focused on what we don't see. Instead, let's remain focused on what God is doing and on the truth of who he is. Because... Even though the world is broken, even though the shadows deepen, do you know all the dark will not keep the light from getting through? I am convinced of it. His promises are sure, as sure as the sun will rise tomorrow. They are sure, and I'll stand on it. I'll stand on that. So I felt like I needed to, I felt like I just needed to pray for a few of you maybe. If you're someone who's going, I need this, I know I need this. If you're one who's like, I see the dark, but it is difficult to really know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through. I want to pray for you because I think God just wants to break through the clouds of the beam of light. I feel like for those of you who've wrestled with deep discouragement or even depression for years and you've brought it to God and you've, you've done good, you've smashed that thing with the hammer, but you're like, man, it still remains. I promise you, he wins. He'll win in your life. He'll win in my life. I want to smash it again because I'm believing that God wants to knock it off at the base. He wants to crumble that, that dark pillar that's been in the way of your life. It's to break it off at the ground so it's only a memory. I remember when that thing used to be in my life, but no longer. Pillar's cracked, it's crumbling. So I'm going to just ask that we put the, that song on again, actually. And I just want to ask, if that's you, if you're in a place where you're like, I just need some help. I need, it's not shameful. You're just like, there are moments, guys, I, I share this and I sit in general, I'm like, I feel encouraged. I feel blessed in this life. But I will tell you, there are moments. I, I, I'll be honest with you guys. It's like family time. It's not a public deal. But um, First time in my life, I've, I told you, I said I've never experienced spiritual warfare like this. I've never seen my kid, every time I go to Myanmar, my kids get sick. I hate it. 
and we started looking into it. Adoniram Judson, his first missionary sent out um, from the U.S. Um, by the Baptist, whatever, he went out, um, lost a whole bunch of kids in Myanmar. We have another friend who went 10 years ago um, and saw major stuff begin to shake and move. Um, and there was a, a uh, uh, I, don't, I don't need to go into it too deep, but there was an encounter that one of his friends had where he's literally being choked by a demon. He said, I'm the, I'm the prince of the power of the Buddhist house of prayer. He said, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill this guy's kids and I'm going to break up his marriage. A week later, his daughter died in Myanmar. And I honestly, I felt like this fear every now and then just gripped me. I had like a few weeks ago, I think maybe I had my first like in my life, like bout of anxiety where I was like, I just have never dealt with something. I just, it was weird. And that's not me. Like I'm pretty... Sometimes we need help. It's not shameful to get help. And so I just, I want to invite you, if you're like, man, I know I need prayer, that I'd be encouraged. You can go ahead and put it on. I want to pray for you, and then we'll close up with that, if that's okay. So if you you are like, I want that, I want to see, I want to believe that the light will not be stopped by the darkness. I want to pray for you. You can come up. Get maybe a couple of the world is we'll see who comes up, but um, we can have some pastors to um, pray. Do you feel the shadows deepen? But do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through?